do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicularist. This show, if you are unfamiliar, somehow starting at episode 449, you weirdo, and I love you, is like a journal of all the media I have consumed. I do not leave it in the dusty attic of my brain. No, no, no. I pour it forth because... You have to, don't you? You don't want to just leave things up there. They will rot. And slowly, or not so slowly in some cases, drive you mad. Not mad as an angry, mad as an insane. In the membrane. Insane in the brain! Uh Uh-oh. I better hurry, because, you know, that was weird. Uh, you may not have consumed some of this media yourself, so I warn of that possibility in a sort of spoiler warning fashion. Uh? Okay, I'm going to push a button that will start a series of five of five-minute timers like this. Ladies and gentlemen. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Asian Schoolgirl Halves. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first is The Void. Oh, yeah, this one. This one I have had uh, sort of for a while and always been meaning to watch it. The missus even agreed to watch it because it's got some horror stuff to it and she loves a good horror. Um, and finally, uh, Bit the Bullet. Well, Bit the Bullet indicates that it's something you don't want to do, which I did want to do. It's just, uh, you know what I think it is? Uh, <laughs> this is kind of dumb. Uh, like, if I have a bunch of movies, uh, I think quite often I will end up, because you start at the top of the list and go to the bottom, and they're in alphabetical order, and this is V for Void, which is near the bottom, I feel like quite often I don't get to the bottom because I see a movie I want to watch. So you know what I should do? Change it up every once in a while and start at the bottom and work my way up. That's a mental note I'm making to myself because uh, doing it the other way means that you'll have an awesome movie like The Void and uh, you won't watch it for a couple of years just because it's down at the bottom of the list alphabetically, which is silly. Yes, uh, on the note of awesomeness, easy for me to give this movie a 5 out of 5. Really, really loved it. Well, let me see what the MDIS says. I don't know if it'll make any sense. Uh, shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. Yes, that does not do it justice at all. 
not even barely a little bit. The hood, hooded figures don't play too much of a large uh, role in this, really. It's sort of, jeez, uh, how do you explain this? Sort of a little zombie-ish, but not really. A little uh, The Thing, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, a little bit of that vibe, especially in the looks of some of the fucking crazy-ass monster, alien, devil-y shit. You never really know what it is. And uh, let me underline uh, not knowing, because uh, uh, this quite often comes up in the podcast that I tend to give things higher marks when I don't know where the story's going, where I don't know what's going to happen next. I, I sort of love that, and it's more rare than you would think. Like, a lot of the times movies, it's sort of blatantly obvious what's going to happen. This movie, I didn't really know what it was going. I got to the end, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know what had happened a little bit, which uh, maybe I should take a mark off for that, because it was a little confusing at the end what the actual factual deal was. Uh, that being said, I think this deserves a rewatch, actually, uh, having seen the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, the Void, highly, highly recommend. Uh, moving on to movie number two, little film called Tag, uh, which I believe there's a new one that just came out, but I'm talking about the Japanese uh, movie from 2015, uh, A Girl's Life Cascades into Chaos. As everyone around her suffers a gruesome fate, while she herself becomes less and less certain of who she is and what kind of world she lives in. Okay, similar to The Void, uh, <laughs> you will not know what the fuck's going on in this insane... Uh, I see it's under action fantasy horror. Yeah, the, the, the main category I would jam this into that I think it would fit quite well is just straight up crazy Japanese movie. If you, like me, enjoy every once in a while just an insane Japanese movie, this one will fulfill that need greatly. Um, it starts off like the very first scene is a, just two busfuls of schoolgirls uh, somehow, someway being cut in half. Uh, it's like wind, I guess. Uh, it, it's really weird. Uh, the the main character sort of jumps around into different bodies, which makes it a little confusing. But you always kind of know. Uh, similar to the void, uh, you get to the end of the movie and you're not a hundred percent sure what's going on. Maybe it, it's definitely weird, and I loved it. Ooh, can I go five out of this? Uh, yeah, I think I will. Two fives out of five. Very much enjoyed this as well. Okay, let's move on to I, Tanya. Ah, competitive ice skater Tanya Harding rises amongst the ranks. Blah, blah, blah. You know Tanya Harding's story. At least I assume you do. Uh, this one was okay. Stars uh, Margot Robbie. I think rating-wise, i go like a three, which uh, if you're unfamiliar with my scale is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Uh, and, and I think that falls into that category fairly well. Um... It's not a story that ever really interested me, despite the fact that I was sort of alive at the time. I, I guess I was pretty young, so I didn't really care. Uh, it is an interesting story, just sort of period. But, uh, and it's told interestingly uh, in a sort of docu, fake documentary style, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Um, I was expecting it from the... Uh, the trailers that I remember seeing when this came out, that it was going to be sort of funnier, I guess. Weirder, funnier, and there are some laughs. But uh, everyone was good in it. I will definitely say that. Alice and Janney's always great. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to uh, the last and final of the films. Uh, we're out of time, so I'll do this one quick. It's called The Forest. Uh, a woman goes into Japan's suicide forest to find her twin sister and confronts supernatural terror. Um, this is the uh, quote-unquote suicide forest that uh, Logan Paul uh, visited. That idiot. Oh boy. Uh, so actually, it's sort of doing what he did in the sense that it's taking a very serious thing, uh, a very sad, depressing thing that exists in real life, and then uh, turning it into entertainment, which can be seen as, you know, maybe not the, the best thing to do. Um, the missus wanted to watch this since she loves a horror movie. I agreed. And. I think similar to I, Tanya, we'll give it a three, just in that uh, I had enjoyment with some cool things in it, but uh, you know what, I'd probably go closer to a two, actually. I was going to say, it would wa but wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, uh, very predictable, whereas The Void was not. Uh, just on, on the note before we wrap up this movie monologue, uh, this movie, The Mrs. Likes More Than The Void, which just to me an indication that her rating scale is busted. Da -na 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 -na. Today's Television Talk sponsor is the Hamsterdam Red Light District. Thank you for that sponsorship. I love you. Okay, uh, going to be talking The Wire Season 3. Yes, uh, the Mrs. and I chugging along through these. Uh, I think it's sort of been said before that once The Wire hits Season 3, it's where shit really sort of pops off. Uh, I, I enjoyed the first uh, well, the first one very much. The second one was good. I enjoyed it, but uh, it's different than I think all other seasons and not as good, but still amazing. Uh, this one, very, very good. Uh, and we're sort of a little bit into season four, but I'll bring that back at a later date. Um, <coughs> so Barksdale, one of the main uh, gangsta uh, dudes, is out of prison. Uh, so he's sort of hitting the streets that have changed a bit, I guess you could say. Uh, his second-in-command, Stringer Bell, played by Idris Elba, has sort of taken a more business approach to the selling of drugs, which uh, seemingly has less uh, violence and more money. <laughs> so, you know, you would think win-win, but no, there's still some of that... Uh, uh, you gotta fight for your your street corners. Uh, you gotta be quote unquote gangsta. That's with a a, a at the end, um, and you don't want to look like a, a a weak. You 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 gotta fight. <sighs> um, so that's sort of uh, I, I guess the underlying story. But uh, the other sort of interesting thing of this season is the idea of uh, having a section of your city where drugs are legal, quote-unquote, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, in order to have the rest of your city be clean of uh, drug selling and violence and everything that is sort of rolled into, uh, into that. And the fact that, at least in this fictional television show, 
uh, it works. Now, I'm saying fictional television show, but they put so much logic into uh, sort of how you think. Like, you can easily, easily picture this idea working IRL because they explore it so thoroughly um, and it just does make a sort of logical sense, doesn't it? It's sort of like picture... <laughs> Uh, it, it's I don't know why what just popped into my mind is um, the guy whose idea it was the sort of uh, I forget his name um, Prez's anyways uh, he, he's like running one of the districts uh, the cop guy uh, for some reason I'm picturing him <laughs> comparing him to Thanos which uh, I won't try not to spoil too much let's just say they both had ideas that um, seemingly at least uh, kind of sort of kind of sort of have logic to them you, you can't argue the logic uh, I suppose you can but but there is logic let's say uh, this one has a couple of deaths in it as well it's funny because uh, watching this with the missus whenever someone dies in this she'll make the exact same sound every single time uh, it's just a <gasps> like an honest to god very earnest <gasps> Uh, shocked intake of breath which I very much appreciate because it's the same every time someone dies uh, sort of unexpectedly uh, rating wise for this season I think easy to give this a 5 out of 5 it's it's just uh, it, I feel like television like this kind of doesn't exist now very often I mean, let's say very often because there is amazing shows Breaking Bad although that was a couple of years ago as well uh, what's on uh, you know what, let's get a little audience participation as I attempt to do from time to time. Uh, you could tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood, uh, various other modes of contact <laughs> contacting me uh, in the end of show credits. Is there a show uh, on TV today, episodes still airing, that can compare to the sort of high level of uh, The Wire or Breaking Bad or Sopranos, say? <laughs> Are those all HBO? Uh, oh, no, no. AMC was uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Anyways, just curious what you think. Today's book banter sponsor is games. Okay, uh, we're talking, if you are following along from last episode, you will know uh, we're talking Myth Adventures, number three of a huge series. Uh, this this uh, book in question is called Myth Directions, and these are uh, books by Robert Lynn Asperin. The, the last name of Robert is aspirin aspirin I feel like I'm saying it wrong aspirin not aspirin anyways I've got a cure no wait I've got a fever and the only cure uh, is more Robert Lynn aspirin is a joke one could make but I refuse to make a joke of that nature because it's very very bad the beautiful Tanda wants the trophy and it's up to Skeev to get it for her. The problem is, getting it will take more than luck. It will take all Skeev's unproven magical talents, a scaly but clever pervict uh, demon, 
and a charming uh, a charming demon not above a little interdimensional thievery. Ooh, you know what? Uh, that description is fine and all, but uh, the phrase interdimensional thievery really appeals to me. Ooh, you know what? I think I might add that. That might find its way into the title. Interdimensional thievery. That's just like a cool... It's fun to say. It's a cool idea. I like it. Uh, okay, so uh, th these books star... The protagonist is, rather, uh, Skeev, who's a, a magician apprentice, I guess how you can look at it. He's sort of still finding his uh, legs, as it were, but uh, more and more seems to have a combination of luck and just sort of his personality uh, molds those around him in such a way that they end up not only liking him, but uh, working for him. Uh, this one is interesting in that uh, they visit a planet where there's sort of two two main factions, I guess you would say, two cities, two city states um, that used to war with another war with one another. But uh, now instead of doing that, uh, they play a game each year. It's sort of uh, soccery, rugby, rugby, <laughs> rugby. Let's let's add that into the title as well. Rugby light, inter, rugby, rugby. Yeah, okay, that title's going to make less and less sense as we go on. Rugby. Uh, it's got its own rules. Maybe a little uh, <laughs> fucking getting the snitch, whatever. Uh, what's, that, what's that called from Harry Potter? Anyways, uh, it's sort of a made-up fantasy-type game. Uh, and the, the sort of crux of this story is that there's a trophy... Um, and whoever has the trophy sort of rules the uh, rules the city, uh, rules the planet, rules rules the realm. Let's say. Uh, so you got your two factions, and then all of a sudden we're going to add a third faction. Uh, so they had to create like a triangular field, which is kind of interesting. Uh, in order for Skeev and his uh, let's just call them minions, although that's not accurate. Uh, have to play in the game in order to win the trophy. Why do they have to win the trophy? Because Skeev wants to give the trophy as a birthday present to uh, the person training him uh, who's uh, named as the demon. Yeah, that, that's the story in a nutshell. This is me in a nutshell. Hey, let me out of this nutshell. Uh, it's done well. It's very, oh, not Terry Pratchett. Maybe a little Terry Pratchett, but more sort of Pierce Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this uh, this guy's writing style and also just sort of the, the crazy fantasy mixed with um, everyday things. In this case, sport. You got some betting. Um, and, and you never really know what's going to happen, which is why I enjoy these. Uh, I think I mentioned last time that I'm not going to read all, I think there's like nine plus of these books. Uh, my plan is, since they can sort of sit on their own uh, a fair amount without having to know what happened in the previous books, I think I'll do them in batches of three. Uh, this one I'll give like a solid four out of five. I definitely, uh, definitely enjoy that. Thank you, Robert Asprin. Today's game Gavin sponsor is Who Watches the Watchers? 
the Watcher Watchers. Duh. Okay, uh, talking uh, uh, old game that I dusted off because a new game... Oh, let me just tell you what it is. It's called Pillars of Eternity. Ah, but not 2. Yeah, Pillars of Eternity 2 just recently came out and uh, got, got very good reviews. Looked like the type of game I really enjoyed. Uh, I remembered I had Pillars of Eternity, the first one, and couldn't remember really getting into it. And then I saw on my Steam... Uh, that only played it for some minutes for some reason, which I don't really remember why that happened. Maybe something came up. Uh, so what I did is, rather than purchase the new one without having played the original, I uh, dusted off the old one. And I, I gotta say, I had a great time. Uh, let me just do rating right off the bat. Like a solid uh, 4 out of 5. If you played um, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, uh, Neverwinter Nights, games like that, D&D type games yeah this uh this very much falls in that uh genre in, in fact i think they kind of call this a spiritual successor of those games which is it's easy easy to see that that is the case uh and it's done very well uh i, I find often the stories of the uh, the stories in these nowadays get more lost uh, I, I sort of end up clicking through all the much dialogue, and I did that to a degree in this game, but uh, I found the story was such that I actually did end up paying more attention than I do. Like like when uh, when I played Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 back in the day, I really remember uh, sort of reading everything, getting invested in the story, but uh, nowadays as I'm older, and I've talked about this in a lot of Game Gabin segments, I, I'm not the completionist of games that I used to be, like I, I used to always go for my Platinum Trophies, 100% completion, yada yada yada, but uh, now that there's so many games, um, uh, it, it's sort of, uh, I, I can link it to how I listen to podcasts at 1.5 speed, sometimes 2.0 uh, uh, speed lately. Uh, it's just that I, I feel like there's so much out there that, uh, what's it called? FOMO? Fear of missing out. Uh, I think that has, it hasn't ruined games for me necessarily. Like I, It's not like I'm not having fun, but it has ruined that playing a game to the 100% completion, I feel like. Which, uh, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? It is a thing. We can't say that much. Uh, like this, for example, I, I got many hours in. I'm, I'm a fair chunk into the story. Uh, I was having the back of my head the th the thought of the, the least possibility of going back and playing it again, but uh, I reached a point in the story, and this is kind of funny, uh, for me it was kind of funny, where you basically have to jump in a pit. Yeah, without giving anything away, you, you literally reach a point in the story where you have to jump in a pit. Now, before you do so... Uh, there's, uh, again, I'll be vague, there's things you have to do so you can jump in this pit so that you don't just die. <laughs> I did not do those things. So I jumped in the pit, I died, it was uh, very cinematic, like they sort of uh, made it so that if people did this, it would feel like the end of the game. So like I jumped in the pit, uh, it got this sort of cinematic death, all very sad, and then the like it went so far as the credits played, like as as if this was the end of the game. Here's the credits, uh, you're done. Uh, so I, I I thought it was sort of fitting that you know what I'm gonna stop playing now. <laughs> this is it. This is this is how my adventure ends. I jumped in a pit, uh, landed on a spike, was impaled by the spike, and I'm dead. 
end of game. <laughs> uh, so it was sort of like a, a stupid fitting end to my playing of it. With the possibility that I'll go back. Because, you know, I, I have saves before I jumped in the pit, obviously. Like, I, I don't think it erased my saves. Like, uh, I've heard games... Yeah, isn't there games that do that where you die and it'll like erase your game saves? Uh, I, I don't think this is one of them. The the other sort of cool thing and reason I wanted to do this is apparently uh, in Pillars of Eternity 2, which I'm sure I'll get at some point because I do love these kind of games, um, choices you make in the first game will affect uh, choices you have in the second game and you can play sort of the same character I think even maybe but like years later or something like that something to that effect so uh, the fact that I'll have these game saves on my uh, computer and then one day play that and have it affect what I did is, is always sort of a cool thing I've done that in games before it's, it's actually a lot of the times it's games like this so four to five if I didn't say already Today's internet intercourse sponsor is, ah, Real Monsters. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I uh, just added a new podcast to my podcast listening repertoire. Uh, the H3H3 podcast. Yes, uh, if you're at all someone who uh, travels the interwebs, you will have heard of H3H3. Uh, man, woman, married... I actually, to be 100% Amish with you, I don't know too much about them. Like, uh, in my internet travels, I see them all the time. Uh, I've watched a fair chunk of their content over the years. Uh, never really delved too deep into them. Um, but uh, they've given me enjoyment, so for that reason alone, and my love of podcasts, I figured, hey, why not check it out? They got some good guests as well. And uh, one of my, uh, like, three episodes in, I, I didn't start from the very beginning and I'm going to listen to every episode. I sort of, uh, as I will often do, went through their back catalog. Anytime I saw a guest that uh, I enjoy, I would uh, pull that one. So I've listened to uh, one with uh, Michael from Vsauce, uh, and then Vsauce 3 I listened to one. Uh, that guy, what's his name? Jake. Jake, right? Jake from Vsauce 3. Uh, and then uh, Bob Saget one, uh, which was pretty good. Uh, and I uh, just started one with Bobby Lee, uh, so uh, I had just a little bit into that one. And, and i got to say, I'm definitely enjoying them. I, I think uh, their interview style and the fact that there's two of them, husband and wife, I enjoy that sort of dynamic. She doesn't talk a, a great amount, but when she does, she's got sort of insightful things to say. Uh, it's funny. Uh, it could be crass, which I enjoy. Uh, I don't know if they're doing too much in the way of research beforehand, which, uh, you know, can be a good thing and can be a bad thing. Uh, so, so I don't know if I've uh, yet come to appreciate their interview style, let's say. Um, but uh, definitely going to continue on, I can say that much. Uh, so, you know, the H3H3 podcast. So I'll tell you what, anyone, further audience participation attempt, uh, anyone listening to this who has listened to those, if there's episodes I have to listen to, or if there's places I can go where I can learn more about these two and sort of get to know and love them, please let me know. 
Uh, okay, next is a video from Lemino, or Lemino, if you prefer, and I hope you do. Uh, it, it's called uh, Cicada3301, colon, an internet mystery. Yeah, this one was really cool. Uh, Lemino always does cool things. I like their top 10 lists, those are fun. Uh, but this one is sort of a deep dive into a, a crazy thing on the internet. Uh, yeah, it's... I'm, you know what? Uh, running low on time, so uh, I'm not going to do it justice here. Let's just say it's a crazy internet... Uh, would you say conspiracy? You might say conspiracy. Maybe. Uh, but uh, he explains it so well, and uh, it, it just... I, I love stuff like this. Uh, crazy um, memes or... Uh, uh, conspiracies or, or, or things on the internet that you are like you could really go down rabbit holes with something like this and I feel like he did and shared it with us so really really great video highly recommend oh next we got a TED talk title TED talk title TED talk title which I've not brought back a TED in a while yeah used to bring them back all the time uh, this one was titled uh, is the world getting better or worse hmm uh, it's sort of a fascinating thing, and if you ever do sort of feel like it's getting worse, uh, you shouldn't be too surprised, uh, because the reason you have that feeling, and it turns out it is that, a feeling, not a truth, uh, it's because of uh, the media and uh, how much negative stuff they sort of put out compared to what they used to. So uh, this guy has a giant, many minute long list of all the things that have improved over the years, uh, and then sort of juxtaposed against that is uh, the news outlets and the positivity, or more accurately, the negativity of the stories that they release. So, uh, yeah, quite obvious one's going one way and one's going another, and these are just sort of statistics. So you, you, you could say you feel like the world's getting worse, but the, the statistics will uh, seemingly prove otherwise. So uh, the reason I wanted to bring this back here is just for the fact that uh, I have the same feeling, that the world's getting worse and worse. Uh, so to watch a video like that uh, it may not make you totally, you know, do a, a 180, 360, 180. Uh, but it may, at the very least, uh, let your conscious mind know that, hey, things aren't that bad. Ah, uh, okay, we're out of time, and one final item. Uh, I'm starting a new D&D campaign. Yes, uh, maybe we'll all bring it back since we're out of time. Uh, but the sponsor was. Anyways, well, I'll, I'll give the brief outline since, uh, why not? Uh, so my first one was very, very loosely based on uh, the balance... Uh, the Bureau of Balance Existing, f which is from the podcast uh, The Adventure Zone. Um, uh, playing that one currently and then just about nearing the halfway mark. Um, so so that's kind of cool because uh, shit's really going to pop off then. Ooh. Hopefully the people in my campaign don't listen to this. Mm -hmm. uh, next arc I've got planned and just about finished uh, is, uh, I'm calling the Sliders arc, like the television show Sliders, except instead of hopping to alternate realities, uh, the, uh, players will be hopping from realm, uh, sorry, from plane to plane. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, they have, uh, planes of existence, so, you know, you've got your plane of fire, plane of air, 
uh, Hades. There's like 20 plus of them. Like there's a lot to work with there. So very, very cool. Uh, uh, cool sort of lore to pull from. And everyone is, uh, every plane is sort of really fleshed out. So to have uh, players jump from one to the other where rules can be subtly different. Uh, it was uh, that was a fun one to work on. Anyways, uh, the next one I, I'm just sort of starting, and I have the tentative sort of outline um, ready and good to go. And then I'm just in the process is now fleshing it out, uh, my outline that is. And then I'm going to start in on the actual story and planning the gameplay and the loot and everything like that. Uh, so so what I wanted to do here was just give you uh, the what, where, when, how of my sort of idea. So what do I have here? And then, you know, this is going to be a long episode, so there you go. Uh, so the what of this world. Uh, first off, you know what I, I, I should say, this all came about was there was some uh, Unearthed Arcana released where it was uh, all monsters from D&D, someone converted them to playable races. So uh, this game will start with uh, all the players picking a monster, um, and then I've sort of got rules around that and how, say, say if you pick a monster that's a race that doesn't normally talk or isn't sentient, uh, ways to explain why this happened is, is sort of what this is doing. Okay, so the what is uh, Mistra, goddess of magic, and the granting of sentience and the inner desire to protect the realm from the encroachment of a sinister incursion that is slowly weakening all magic and will eventually turn the world into something totally unlike what it is today. The where. Randomly, throughout the Forgotten Realms, because with her power limited, she had to just unleash this magic and hope that the most susceptible would heed her call. Who? Races slash creatures whose existence is most closely intertwined with magic. Those races will be the first to become extinct if this trend continues. So they are the ones who Mistress Magic was most likely to target. When? Uh, five to ten years ago, time for your backstories. Mm. Why? There's an outside force. Uh, who I know it is, who it is, but I'm not going to ruin that here. Uh, who, for whatever reason, seemingly simply does not want magic to exist. Mistra, being the goddess of magic, was the first to feel it, but all those who use or owe their existence to magic have likely started to feel this quote-unquote drain. Mistra has felt that this force was a weakening, was a weakness. Mistra has felt that this force has a weakness to magic, and it is her hope that can seek out and use these, quote-unquote, magic-draining areas in Faerun in order to stop whatever is happening there. How? Mistra, goddess of magic, found she could not penetrate these areas of magic drain that Puck marked Faerun. These areas multiplied and grew exponentially until Mistra knew she had one chance to stop them. She expelled her magic in a final burst that sought out those like herself, like yourself, 
and created a stronghold for magic where those who felt the pull could gather their numbers a stronghold that would be the realm's last bastion of magic magic concentrate the first to feel this call was a young goblin by the name of gob garker uh, a time came when he started to feel unlike his goblin brothers and sisters. This was exemplified more and more until one day he found he could inexplicably perform certain magical spells. The drifting from his family was then amplified by a pole somewhere far to the west. He traveled day and night until he found himself alone on a mountaintop castle that was somehow both new and seemingly abandoned. He spent the he spent the night there in the deepest sleep of his short life, and in his dreams, Mr. greeted him and explained their mission. Over the years, other monsters, quote-unquote, would trickle in, and on each of their first night's sleep in the castle, they would receive visions in their dreams from Mistra, thus solidifying their goals. Each monster would receive specific instructions on how they would fit into this organization and none had been given instructions on how the malevolent magic draining force should be stopped that is until you arrive <laughs> mistress monsters folks hope you enjoyed that little uh, tangent at the end there uh, i will say as I do at the end of every episode, that it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper